the challenges relating to pandemic were combined with the uh, challenges uh, relating to Brexit. And it all came at a time mm -hmm. of uh, great uncertainties, fluctuations in the stock market, issues around the financial uh, numbers and uh, everything had to be uh, done meticulously to ensure to counter and neutralize the effect. From Swoop, it's Take the Plunge, a podcast about how business owners decided to stop what they were doing and took the plunge to start their own business. We take a look at how they came to that decision and what those first crucial steps were in getting their business up and running. My name's Kieran Burke, and I'll be your host for this episode. Today, we're joined by Adnan Naizi, who's the founder and CEO of Novus Altair, a pioneering security services company. Novus Altair supplies security services to the likes of McDonald's and Sports Direct and have expanded their offering throughout the pandemic to supply security guards for COVID-19 wards for the NHS. Their mission is to continually raise their standards and become the organization that stands out in the security and IT industry. Adnan himself comes from an esteemed educational background with a bachelor's in mechanical engineering, a master's in computer-aided mechanical engineering and a PhD from King's College. You're very welcome, Adnan. We're delighted to have you. How are you doing this afternoon? Hi, Kiran. Thanks a lot. It's very wonderful to see you. With this podcast, we like to start things from the beginning of your entrepreneurial venture. So if you could tell us how it all started and why you decided to take the plunge into the world of business, that would be, that would be wonderful. Oh, yes, sure. You know, I mean, there was always this something at the back of my mind about entrepreneurship. Uh, doing something in an independent capacity with a lot of uh, freedom to uh, make decisions uh, and take on challenges that was always there in my mind and it was simply the matter of time and perhaps the opportunity which eventually came up uh, roughly around 2010 in the run-up to London 2012 Olympics and I thought look I mean mm -hmm. how exciting that could be if I would also or my team members would also be a part of this exciting opportunity, especially when you are around East London area, you can't simply uh, ignore such a huge opportunity. So it was the opportunity for uh, me in the early stages to take a plunge, if you like, and see whether whatever yeah. it was in my mind, at the back of my mind in terms of how, you know, I could explore any hidden talents. And that was when we decided uh, to move ahead with this uh, journey. And in terms of getting that first, say, customer, you've obviously got a, an economic equation that's telling you you've got a product that would work for these retail customers. How did you convince them to to showcase that this is the right method and I've got something here that's going to save save you money and, and be a good product fit for you? You know, you've got to have some sort of unique selling point. Of course, the cost was there. The mathematical models were there. The elements that were required as the key ingredients were there. But one thing that was missing was our credibility in the market uh, where how would we be able to convince potential clients, especially when you are surrounded by a huge number of established names, big names, how would you convince them? So something mm -hmm. else had to be there. So within the first six months, we took a very huge decision early in the early part of our uh, startup to, to go ahead with the accreditation for ISO 9001 um, uh, certification in four different sectors of the security industry, which was a mm -hmm. huge step. I mean, at that time, I had spoken to so many consultants uh, around 
uh, that sort of uh, work and it was unheard of for a single person company to go for uh, ISO 9001 certification. But I decided to spend a lot of my early startup time in working towards getting this quality accreditation as a seal of, uh, uh, you know, quality, independent mm -hmm. seal of approval. It was very important for us. And, and do you feel that the accreditation was really the, the, the step that, that unlocked basically the customers from, from then on? Was, that, was the accreditation the key element for you? That was the master key. That was the master key that unlocked the doors that were required, I can tell you. Because in parallel at that time, I had been working in the background to secure customers, to secure leads, but there was no 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 from all of the doors from all of the surroundings no one was willing to uh, accept what we were able to offer uh, the resources of course when you don't have leads you can't even recruit individuals so we were in a kind of situation where we needed a, a continuous supply of customers from one hand and the recruitment to get activated but we couldn't do unless uh, there was a mm. substantive breakthrough. How was your kind of mental resilience in that kind of six months? You're, you're working nine till midnight. You have a family. You're going out pitching. You're getting lots of no's. You're waiting for the accreditation to come in. How are you How are you chipping away Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? How are, you, how are you going? How's the mental resilience? I think that part I would say is quite uh, developed by now, especially when by the time I completed my PhD, I had been accustomed. I had basically been programmed by that time, having gone through all of those past uh, experiences in my life. I think it goes back to the early childhood. I don't think you would want me to go to that sort of mm -hmm. old age stories. But yes, it, it, it goes that far back <laughs> where, you know, <laughs> I come from a very humble background yeah. uh, where I spent my early childhood going through the toils and uh, tribulations of life uh, and eventually towards my higher education, mm -hmm. the upbringing from my parents who simply wanted the best for their children in terms of their quality education. Um, and I got uh, admission in one mm -hmm. of the top uh, universities of the uh, city, which eventually unlock the doors for me to get admission in one of the top UK institutes, uh, Russell Group Institutes, King's College London. And it was yeah. just amazing mm -hmm. time for the mm -hmm. entire family, myself. So so I had been gone, been through all of those phases that toughened me, if you like, for that sort of challenge. So it didn't feel like that, to be honest with yeah. you. When I was in the early six months yeah. phases. So did you feel a kind of, I've, I've put so much effort in at this stage. I've got a responsibility to myself because I've gone and created this path for myself by getting this education that I deserve it to myself to, to put the hard graft in. Is that the kind of mindset you were, you were thinking? Oh, absolutely, yes. It, it had to be that sort of uh, mindset. And if it wasn't for that sort of mindset, I think making early inroads would have been absolutely challenging. Probably there were times when I was thinking whether, is that it? Is this something I really want to do it? But the mental toughness part was was so, so crucial in um, mm -hmm. enabling me to just carry on with setting one milestone, achieving it and setting yet another one and then go for it. So it had to be done in very uh, carefully, meticulously planned smaller steps bit by bit that could encourage me to 
move on by picking up those pathway reward, rewards, if you like. So I was setting up those uh, mm -hmm. milestones. So let's say uh, you've got this uh, first stage of the ISO 9001 covered. Oh, that's brilliant. How many uh, other companies may have done it at this stage? So this was a huge reward. Then the second stage, the final stage of the uh, ISO 9001. I mean, once the ISO 9001 badge was there, there was no way I could have gone back. That's it. Adnan, tell me, okay, you've got the, the badge now. When did that first yes come in? When did that first customer land? And what does that feel like? Well, it's straight after 9001. It's straight after 9001 because my background conversations had been going on with um, many potential clients to the point where I had managed to secure at least their commitment that if I managed to succeed ISO 9001 quality accreditation and ACS, what would their response be? So whether they were committed at that time or not, they still committed with myself that yes, if you secure these two elements, we will shake hands. And that's exactly what happened. From, from then on, I suppose the dynamic starts to change. Okay, you've got customers coming on board. You now need to worry about your delivery, your execution and your customer service. So in turn, you, you can't do that all yourself. So now you need to become a we and start to bring people on board. How important were those first couple of hires that you brought on board and, and who were they? Yes, uh, some of the early days were challenging where in addition to all of the other uh, general bits and pieces of the business, the recruitment had to be uh, carried out. And I had to say, that was my first experience of uh, recruiting any individual at that. Before that time, I had simply been mm -hmm. uh, giving interviews myself at various different places. But those early part were some of my first early interviews that I had to prepare myself. But it was very good uh, experience. And uh, we had uh, the opportunity to connect with the local job center, got a lot of information and guidance, how to carry on with the job posting, preparing the JDs and the uh, general specifications and uh, planning um, various different elements around myself, uh, being my own assistant. Uh, but we managed to do it uh, rather uh, well. So some of the early recruits not only included the security officers, but the assistant, general assistant for the uh, office. Uh, we kept uh, a steady pace, making sure that there was a balance between inflows and outflows. And that was the tricky balance which we had to achieve. There was a danger where we, if we couldn't get the balance right, this would be a huge uh, blow to our early uh, progress. Now, one, one thing that kept us going was the prospects of serving during the 2012 Olympics. So the way we were planning was to uh, ensure that come uh, 2012 Olympics, we become reasonably uh, developed organization so as to be able to convince some of the other big players to take us more seriously mm -hmm. and allow us to take part in the L London 2012 Olympics. So what were the kind of steps you needed to do? Uh, from an operational point of view to be seen to be a bigger operation or a, a more slick operation to ultimately win those contracts? What we did was to ensure that wherever I could do some of the uh, general day-to-day -day business items, I would do it. 
and I would have very little need or the requirement for recruiting uh, more than we could afford. So the direct cost element could be recovered by the security officers directly, which wouldn't be a problem. Uh, and we would, uh, this was all uh, costed and accounted for in the uh, proceeds or the inflows from the customers. But what for us was the major issue was uh, the additional recruitments, number one, number two, the office space, and uh, uh, number th three, the um, supervision costs. Because remember, if you are in security industry, you have to have uh, on-ground supervisors going from one location, from one side mm -hmm. to another side, then traveling from one client to another client. So this was a huge challenge for us. And I was involved in all of these uh, areas. So I was supervising, I was moving from one side to another side, meeting clients myself. Uh, and many, many clients like that. They like the idea that a startup mm -hmm. organization and the um, founder and the director himself is taking all of the clients and the customers so seriously, engaging with them, listening to them. Yeah. And then, of course, the security officers, they also love the idea that their own director, uh, he was visiting every single employee, listening to them, asking them about their questions. Um, of course, uh, most of them were not aware that at that time we only had two people in the office. Uh, but even if there were more than two people, I would be the one going <laughs> from one place to another. So yes, this all actually stacked up nicely together to create the right sort of environment for us to uh, proceed and flourish. Talk me through then the, that, that next stage of evolution. You started to, to win over these customers and you're starting to expand and, and, and take a bigger customer. How did you then start to scale the business up uh, to, to meet with those kind of flourishing demands? Yes, uh, I mean, uh, London 2012 was going to be, as expected, the springboard for the business that we anticipated and it turned out to be the case. And we leveraged that opportunity uh, to the utmost advantage of the business. Uh, at that time, from uh, the situation where we were struggling with the inflows, this became a different kind of challenge altogether, where we had to find resources for managing the operations very well, uh, where the large number of officers were deployed, were recruited in a very short span of time. We were managing events. We had to recruit event managers. We had to recruit supervisors, site-based managers, uh, area managers. So all of those was moving at a rapid pace because what had happened, like a very simple thing, the kind of rapport I had developed at a personal level with the clients helped us to gain the early trust that we needed from the customers. And when we were approaching towards London mm -hmm. 2012, we were the ones who were um, in most cases prioritized over some of their uh, old friends, if you like. So we were uh, given the opportunities to uh, lead very uh, big challenges, provide in, in some cases 20 to 30 to 40 officers for a single event. Now, which was going to be a hugely challenging task for us. So how to recruit, how to ratchet up the pace, how to increase the capacity and the capability in such a short span of time and deliver on our promises. We, we managed to do it. Everything was uh, uh, linked with the inflows. 
uh, and the deployment of the resources at the right time and it all worked out well the interfaces in terms of the technology uh, aspect the available technology at that time we made use of the technology at that time that helped us to manage some of the operational and logistical challenges uh, and uh, come up with a coordinated response. Well, I found quite interesting there is a lot of your kind of early work is on customer service about you being out there, being the personality, winning people over, making sure that you're top of mind. After London 2012, you've taken advantage of opportunity. You've got a lot more business. You've got a lot more customers. How do you keep that level of customer service and that personal touch point uh, within your business now that you're a much bigger operation? Yeah, in the, in the mid phases of the evolution of the business, the challenges also evolved in a different uh, uh, shape and form. So the next level of challenges were the competition from the market where the diversification had to be uh, the key ingredient, if you like, moving forward. You could not afford to stay afloat until you constantly evolve and change. And we as a company had to find a way of evolving constantly. And for us being myself, if you like, personally coming from the technology background, it was simply a matter of when and not if the technology would be our backbone. And so it was at that time that we decided to shift our focus from the manual operations and some of the uh, mm -hmm. physical intervention and the human intervention towards automation side. And it was at that time that we okay. decided to diversify ourselves uh, to begin within the IT area where the whole idea was to make sure that the IT department within the organization was verticalized to the point where it was sufficient to deal with the internal challenges of the organization in the first place. And if we are lucky and if we are able to produce something remarkably well, how that product could then be verticalized and be licensed to third parties as well. So let me share something very interesting with you that we came up with a product mm -hmm. called, called Novus Guard, which is a loan worker protection a device where the officers are able to use their smartphone and allowing the officers to rely on the company provided mobile phones or their own mobile phones to protect themselves, to uh, make sure uh, that an alarm can be raised if they are in any, any hazardous situation and alert the 24-7 control room that we operate, facilitating the provision of uh, a protection if needed and in time. Now, that, that was not only liked by our officers, but also our clients. Mm -hmm. And that's where we are now heading towards. And, and did you make the decision to develop the technology internally or did you look to outsource that technology and, and manage it? To begin with, we did explore various different options. We went out, uh, we wanted to explore who could do this for uh, us. Uh, we spoke to various different suppliers, existing suppliers. Uh, the, the problem for us that I envisaged was that the level of customization that we needed was not there. The standard products were there out there in the market and I just could not be satisfied with the kind of products available in the market because mm -hmm. most of those products left gaps in our expectation and is still that 
came with very high bill. So the value for money wasn't there. And if the gaps in such an important product could be left, you are still leaving your potential employees, your current employees vulnerable to safety hazards. And by that time, we had um, gained roughly around seven to eight years of experience in the industry. Not a lot, but good enough for us to ensure that we could capitalize on our industry experience and combine it with my technology background to help us get on board talented individuals who could help us to secure the uh, vision for the product. And so that went very well. That went very well to the point that in the first year of our development, we tendered for a council project. So we were able to win the project from two London councils to Greater London Council. That was a huge, huge success for us where this came as an independent seal of the product quality and we were able to convince uh, big London councils about the product and uh, win the contract. In terms of like going from that management of quite a manual base to, to starting to manage technology, did that present challenges as well or was it just a big massive opportunity that it, that are brought with it. The challenges that come with the technology are always there and they will be there in one way, shape or form. They will be evolving and we learn from those challenges. In the early phases of the product development, the challenges related to the recruitment of right kind of individuals for, for the product because you are the security industry getting the right talent from the IT background to work for a security company uh, was a huge challenge. So you had to uh, come up with a full proposal for the right uh, and talented individual to convince, to join a security organization and how their future and career growth directions can also be secured within an aspiring organization. And we were able to do that. Now, further down the line, of course, uh, the challenges and the nature of the challenges uh, have continued to evolve and change. And we are trying to learn from all of those challenges. Mm -hmm. And at the moment, one of the very tough challenges that we faced was whether and how it was possible, for example, to combine the loan working technology feature with the fleet tracking uh, technology. So from my own yep. personal research, I have not uh, found a viable product in the market, which is fleet tracking based product and also has very effective loan working uh, mechanism. But we have managed to successfully uh, do that. And this is a huge leap for us. So this was a huge technological uh, leap where we have now combined the fleet tracking technology of the product uh, with various different kinds of alarms, roughly about 14 different kinds of alarms, which allow the product to activate the alarm either in active or in passive mode thus alerting the authorities about mm -hmm. the uh, impending dangers that an individual employee or the user of the app uh, may be in and uh, come up with the uh, matching response. And speaking, I suppose, of challenges, Adnan, obviously we've gone through a year of, of the pandemic. How, how has that affected your business? And um, I know you, you, you've obviously pivoted a bit in terms of your customer base, but how, how did you react to it and what were your thoughts as you, as you went through it? The challenges relating to pandemic were combined with the uh, challenges uh, relating to Brexit. And it all came at a time mm -hmm. of uh, great uncertainties, fluctuations in the stock market, issues around the financial 
numbers and uh, everything had to be uh, done meticulously to ensure to counter and neutralize the effect. We are still um, facing these challenges, but what we have done is to focus on the efficiency saving. So efficiency saving has been uh, our key uh, during the last whole year. Mm -hmm. And uh, But what also in our case turned out to be uh, a blessing for us where some of the potential uh, losses or the impact that we accrued as a result of uh, uh, COVID, for example, uh, losing some of the work from the likes of McDonald's and other retail work was uh, supplemented by the work for NHS and which has been a great privilege for yeah. us to work uh, to allow and be part of uh, the front-end organization where our operatives also had a sense of pride to work for NHS and working from the front line, securing uh, customers, securing patients, securing uh, and playing their part uh, in the overall healthcare system. So that has been supplemented from there. We also have been working uh, with other major partners, working towards uh, council, securing the public pathways and other public buildings where we, our officers are working from the front line, making sure that they are able to deliver the right sort of advice to the members of public, to listen to them, to help them out uh, wherever they can and working alongside in the background with the council staff members receiving instructions from them so acting as a bridge if you like between members of public and the public officials so this has been a very mm -hmm. uh, good and exciting time for us and then there was another element where we got some help and support from not only the government but how we were able to mobilize resources uh, through the bank support uh, we also had the factoring services. Uh, we were able to utilize the mm -hmm. advantage from the uh, other uh, facilities such as Siebel's, etc. Where, of course, soup also uh, helped us. So this all has been a great um, experience for us. Ahmad, you started off when explaining when you went into starting up your business. You took the plunge by by getting on a credit card and I suppose taking some, some risk, uh, a lot of kind of capital and personal risk. Are you always on the lookout to see how you can expand your business and, and see what options are, are available to you as, as you look to kind of grow grow the business? Oh, yes, sure. And I think on that note, I would like to you know share something very important uh, from the beginning. The name of an organization has been very important uh, for me. So a name had to be the a constant source, a continuous source of uh, inspiration for me whenever I encountered challenges. So mm -hmm. I spent probably good two to three months pondering, considering the implication of what name was chosen. Novus is for novel. And Altair is the brightest star in the constellation called Aquila. And the logo of uh, the organization is that of a rising, shining star. So that image hangs in my mind. It stays in my mind all the time where I want to see the organization as a rising, shining star all the time. And I see mm -hmm. that and I aim that and we aim with the uh, staff members that the next day has to be better than our current day and our current day has to be better than the past day. And that keeps us motivating towards the next challenges to look for the new challenges and to leverage those challenges as the opportunity to rise and take even greater flight. And now coming to the second part, where the challenges and how we find the pathways 
towards constant evolution. So one of those things is the technology aspect where we try to leverage the uh, various different facets of the technology to find our pathway in the future. And to that extent, when we decided to take a plunge in the IT side and that challenge came uh, worked out very well, at the same time, we started working with top institutes, uh, uh, top global institutes, including number one university called Tsinghua University in China and King's College London, of course, here and Tianjin University uh, in terms of the research aspect. So one of the concepts propounded in the area of mobile patrol robots assisted by drones that could be deployed in the area of uh, security is something that we are taking on board as the future challenges. Uh, we, that could take us up around five to 10 years, but we are already planning for the future and for the times ahead. Mm -hmm. So there is going to be a transition already in place from this loan worker device towards this uh, drones and uh, patrol based robots future. How do you kind of develop that mindset of running the business from a day-to-day -day point of view? and to take your uh, metaphor, understanding what the next shining star is in three, five years, how do you balance the day-to-day -day with always being, trying to stay ahead of the curve of what's coming down the line? A kind of vision I think is required. A bird's flight is needed where you have to constantly be in a position to raise your level from the ground and feel you are flying up there and get a good bird's eye view and then come down when it's needed. How do you translate that in actual situation? I think it just comes quite instinctively and probably you learn from your past experiences. Whenever you make a mistake, you need to have that sort of attitude to learn from it. Whenever you fall, you have mm -hmm. to be ready to uh, pick yourself up, get up and move on. There is always something in failure which prepares you for being better prepared and to get ready for bigger challenges. Without failures, I suppose the tasks of achieving and setting yourself bigger targets would be very, very difficult, I suppose. If I could take you back and if you probably could recollect some of those rising star moments in the past for you guys, is there any couple of moments that really stand out in terms of big moments, big wins, maybe winning McDonald's or something like that? Or are you always just looking into the future? One of the early ones that I can't forget is the accreditation. And because that was a major breakthrough, uh, we wouldn't find the master, the master key. key. Uh, yeah. And then the another one that recently stands out uh, from these recent times is the award of the tender by two big major London councils. Of course, in between, there have been many other uh, milestones, uh, but because you asked for two, these are the two, one from the past and one from the most recent examples. Well, Adnan, I can't thank you enough for being so honest and sharing all your experiences. And it's so inspiring to see you saw that opportunity with the London Olympics and you just dove straight in there, put in the hard graft and got that master key, as you said yourself. Um, and I can only wish you all the best uh, for now and for the future and that you, your son continues to rise. So thanks again, Adnan. Um, really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thanks a lot, Ken. Thank you very much.